0: Buenos días, me llamo Pani, soy estadounidense, hablo español y ustedes escuchan The Fluent Show. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, Living and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk, and I'm here to tell you about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. And today I have got so much knowledge, so much information for you. I haven't printed my notes, but if I did, I think they would come up to about four pages. So we've got a big one today. We're going to get pretty much straight in, and talk about maintaining a language while you're learning another one. Ooh-hoo. And I believe that you listeners are, a lot of you are a bit of a polyglot at heart. or Maybe you just have been learning a language for a little while. You sort of started climbing the hill. You know, maybe you're at base camp, first thousand words. Maybe you're at... Base camp fluency. Maybe you're approaching the summit. Maybe you've actually built your house on the sort of on the plateau, and you're just kind of hanging out on the plateau and enjoying it. It's a good view from there. It's a good view from there. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I gotta stop with the mount metaphor. As you can tell, I've never climbed a mountain in my life. You absolutely. Wherever you are with your first foreign language, maybe you're beginning to catch the bug and you're excited and you're beginning to think about learning the next language. So today we're thinking about how to keep one language fresh while you're learning another. And I've got a deep listener question that I'll be reading to you as well. Before we get into all that, just a quick reminder that this show has got a sponsor and this sponsor is great. And also this show has got listener intros. Bonnie, who you heard at the start here, they're talking today in Spanish, sent me a listener intro and I need a few more. I love receiving your listener intros. You, All you have to do is email them to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk and here is what I would like you to record In any language of your choosing. If English is a foreign language for you, do it in English. There's nothing wrong with that. Do it in German. Do it in Cree. Do it in Polish. Do it in Russian. Doesn't matter. Here's what to say. Hello. My name is... Obviously you say your name. I live in... Then say where you live. I'm speaking. Then you say the language you're speaking and you're listening to The Fluent Show. So if I was doing this in German, let's make it easy, I would say, Hallo, ich heiße Kerstin, ich wohne in Canterbury, ich spreche gerade Deutsch und ihr hört die Fluent Show. And that's what that would sound like. So unless you want me to cycle through all of the languages... (laughs) Just read you intros in different languages. I'd much rather highlight you, listeners. It's so cool to have a fluent fam member right at the start of the podcast. So, do send me those intros. Simply record it on your phone. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't need a big mic set up. Just record it and send it over to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. And if you lose any of these instructions, just hit pause, go 30 seconds back, and they'll be there for you. Let's talk about the sponsor. Our sponsor this week is once again, italki, the big, big internet platform where you can find one-to-one tutors, tutors, (laughs) tutors and teachers. You can find one-to-one tutors, teachers, whatever you prefer in a vast amount of languages with italki. The great thing as well is that you pay per lesson. So, if like me, you're a bit of a commitment phobe, and you only pop in with your teacher perhaps every every two or three weeks, you know, because you get busy or you don't feel like you've got much to show for yourself yet. Whatever it is, if if you're a bit of a flake, that's okay. I talk has got flake mode <laughs> for people like us. But also, if you're really into commitment, there's many teachers who offer ten lesson and even twenty lesson packages. So you found your. You found your language teacher and you really get into a groove. You can simply buy a package from them, save yourself some money. So you pay per lesson or per package. You'll find a tutor that can fit into your budget perfectly. The lessons are customized and there are over 10,000 teachers to choose from. So you can always find the language and also the instruction style that suits your requirement. You may have even noticed that some teachers really love working with a beginner and they kind of love sort of getting you set up and helping you out. And others are true polyglots themselves and want to help you with your language learning methods as well. And then yet others love working with an advanced learner. So for me in German, if I was on italki right now, I would be trying to get as many B2C1 students as I possibly can because I love to get into that nitty-gritty of grammar. And of course, italki is so great as well because you can use it anytime and anywhere using the systems that suit you and the chat systems that suit you. You can support the Fluent Show today and get 10 US dollars in italki credits for free. When you join italki and to do that, you simply go to fluentlanguage.co.uk slash italki. Let's get on to this listener question. I know you've been eagerly waiting, perhaps, if you are one of those people who are looking at a second language. So I'm going to read out a question from Owen for you. Owen says, this is a long one. I studied French for years as a child, was semi-conversant in it as a teenager After moving to Japan and spending several years there, it seemed as though Japanese had taken over the space that French used to occupy. I visited Tahiti for my honeymoon and found that I couldn't manage to string together the simplest French phrases because Japanese words would pop into my head instead. This left me feeling like I had two modes, English and other language. But my wife speaks four languages fluently and shifts back and forth without difficulty. After discovering Duolingo, I started doing Italian, because we were at the time considering moving to Italy, and French, because I wanted to see how much of my old French was still hiding in there, quite a bit, as it turned out. And I found that practicing three languages at the same time was far less confusing than I had originally thought it would be. So I suppose my question is, is your experience similar? I think the key to learning multiple languages is most likely keeping the languages you already know fresh while learning the next one. That way, the new one doesn't simply replace the old. But I also think when language is well enough ingrained, it won't be so easily lost. But I'd be interested to know your take on this. So, Owen, oh, first of all, I mean, you kind of answered your own question, which is really, really lovely and really good. So you're right, I think the the key is to maintain maintain an old language and keep it a little bit fresh keep it a little bit active and you're also beginning to beginning to feel out another thing which is that it matters how deeply and how ingrained that that how deeply you've studied the language how long you've done it for and i believe there's something now this is not from a neuroscience point of view of course it's out of my expertise but there is something specific that happens when ha- when a language is almost this dist- again we're back to the idea of the habit when a language becomes so habituated that it's it's automatic like the way I speak English for me is so automatic that when I switch into German my native language I will still throw in an English word every now and then unintentionally so I'll talk about that a little bit So today, for you listeners and for Owen, I've got a lot of perspectives on this. And I wanted to start with a story uh, about driving. So when I think about learning multiple languages, I often remember what it's like for me to drive in a car. I grew up in Germany. In the countryside, very eager to drive a car at age 17, just couldn't wait to get into driving school because, you know, maybe it would stop me having to get my parents to pick me up everywhere because there's no buses. So either way, I learned to drive on the right side of the road, like, pe- like most people in the world, really. So for years, that's all I knew. I drove on the right side of the road. When I moved to England, I lived without a car for a year. And then when I started to drive, I was using my own car that my brother had brought over for me from Germany. So it was my, my old German car the auto and uh, I, I figured oh yes I don't need to buy a new one let's uh, let's, let's just drive this so I ended up with a right hand drive in a left hand system so I had one system that I was particularly used to particularly ingrained with and I just was using it and I was beginning to kind of add new information add new situations I was beginning to process left-hand drive world, English driving world. So there's a lot to work with, but it was possible to do. I'm kind of muddled through for a few years. And then finally, um, you know, let's insert fast forward five years. Finally, I bought a left-hand drive. And that's when I started to get more comfortable. I I was in the new system. You know, I'd sort of gone through the transition period. and, And then I had another habit to to develop another physical habit I could see better from the car and at first I would do really funny things like you'd you'd reach to switch gears and you're used to doing this with your right hand and uh, your hand just hits the the door because there's no gear stick there so so you know you you're used you automatically do things because your brain is just in car mode And then slowly, things got more and more automatic and I became a great left-hand side driver too. So I can drive on the left and I can drive on the right and I can operate both cars now. These days, when I return to Germany, obviously living in a country where people drive on the left and seeing this a lot, I may want to drive a car. And in the first few minutes, things are a bit weird. And I may even, if it's quiet and there's no other drivers to give me all those indicators, I may even veer to the wrong side of the road for a second and and maybe some the other person in the car has to go Kirsten, you're not in England or something like that it's it's not dangerous don't worry but it's you know it your your whole system wants to work with what is the most active what is the most relevant you're in car mode and car mode means being over here on the road so there is this interference that comes from the left hand side system and it only lasts a few minutes. Within a very short time I'm comfortable again with what I know and what I learned to a very high level in the beginning. So I hope this this helps you to illustrate. It's kind of a a similar process to when you're learning say a third language after you already know another language. There's a new situation, new situations can throw us. Your body and mind are in a groove with languages. So this is just to illustrate perhaps what can happen. But I want to take a step back, first of all, and say, would I recommend learning one language while maintaining another? In my mind, it's, it's, it is always a matter of taste. But for most people, if you want to do it, do it. Did, I have never heard of... Of a brain that that only allows two languages to go in to go into it. I've never come across the the human that that stops after a second language and the brain just doesn't work. So, oh, and unless you unless you're a real anomaly and um and kind of special and really needs studying. And I don't think you know. I imagine that you have the you have you have the capacity, along with your wife, to do you know in the same way to switch back and forth. Now, my personal opinion on learning several languages at the same time or consecutively is yes, 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 do it, do it if you want to do it. It gets so much easier when you learn your second, third, fourth language because of other things that have nothing to do with that language you know yourself better and you know languages and this is proven in research as well, as well as well as well in linguistics it's called metalinguistic awareness metalinguistic awareness is strongest for learning related languages obviously but overall it's just this sort of sense that you know what elements of the language you have to learn you know how language works you know how a bit more about how communication works you're more aware of pragmatics that means the the things we say that aren't necessarily said with just words and mechanics you know more about intercultural communication there's just so much going there so metalinguistic awareness becomes stronger with every language that you add Plus, you have a psychological advantage because you just treat yourself differently. You already know that you can do this because you've already done it once before. So whatever you want to call it, you can call it positive self-talk and reduced self-doubt or increased self-efficacy. So all of these things kind of come together to mean you just feel better about yourself and you, you spend so much less time doubting that you have a huge, huge, huge advantage. Now, that is just to say, do it, do it, do it. How do we do it? The first step I would advise is to ask yourself what it is that you want to maintain. So you say, Owen, that you live in Japan. I'll assume you didn't end up moving to Italy, but let me know. And that you're very active, perhaps you're very active and engaged in a Japanese language. I think it, it shows that a Japanese was very active in your mind Because of what happened when you wanted to access French again and found that Japanese just turned up in your mind, I found that the more languages you want to keep active at the same time that haven't become automatic yet, the more um, the more interference happens. And this is really just all everything that is. It's just it's called interference. It's an absolutely normal normal process in language learning and it happens even when people are learning their second language and it's not a big problem and you can get lots and lots of different types of interference so when you have a lot of Japanese words pop into your head as you're trying to speak French what might be happening is some it's it's a bit like unintentional code switching code switching means uh, switching the language you are speaking And often it is considered intentional and people research or sort of half intentional. People research it and look at, for example, how we switch languages when we want to communicate belonging, when we perhaps want to say something and it seems very cool, how we maybe want to use jargon and say, you know, therefore demonstrate our expertise. So there's a lot about code switching. It doesn't apply to you when you're trying to speak French and Japanese pops out but the unintentional code switching does exist and it is the type of interference other types of interference include phonological which is essentially an accent so your word stress your your, your vowel sounds etc your your consonants grammatical interference which can be word order your pronouns you know you might you might speak japanese word order in, in French, or it might you might want to do that. You might want to you might have gotten so used to putting your words in a certain order that you then speak to it. You then up, try to apply that to a language where it doesn't apply, and that's interference. Or finally, lexical, which is usually when you borrow words and then you put them into the second language. Like for example, Denglish uses that. I think there's a Singlish. English, <laughs> Wenglish, which is when Welsh imports English words, which it just does all the time. So these are not, you know, these are a part of the language learning process and they can't even work together to create something new and beautiful. Something that I found interesting about the, the code switching you mentioned is you said the Japanese words pop into your head. And I found this as well. You don't necessarily say the words out loud. Because they pop into your head and you know they're they're wrong. You know, you know, like I know it's not dwin metal. It's je pense when I'm trying to speak French. So what is happening there is interesting because you actually have a moment to stop yourself. So there is a lot going on in your mind at the point that you're processing. And one aspect of, of what you're doing as you are reactivating that that second language that third language or in your case the second language that has been overwritten by the third whatever you're doing when you're when you're reactivating that language is you also have to suppress what is very very common in your brain you have to suppress the current habit and you kind of work on rewiring and rerouting those languages and in a way All of this explains why you found Duolingo quite easy in French because language skills are different. When you're thinking about adding languages and maintaining older ones, it's important to not just think about the level. I am now B1 in French. I want to stay B1 in French. It's not so important to think about the level. Instead, it is important to think about what you actively want to do with the language. So there's my tip two: focus on the skills that you want to maintain. Rather than thinking about this level, instead to keep your older language fresh, think about what you want to be able to do with it and then think about how you're going to practice that skill. Particularly if you want to be very ready to speak a language, it's like me, it's like I want to be very ready to drive in a different country, so I'm not going to read necessarily the German highway code again, I've got to just... Practice it by, by doing it in a way and practice it by, you know, imagining, at least imagining myself doing it. But really, you got to practice by practicing. So you're not going to lose your reading ability as quickly. Memory won't get overwritten. Memory doesn't tend to get overwritten. But the pathways that make it automatic, they kind of stay there. Consider listening, speaking, reading and writing. And think about where you see yourself functioning. And then check out episode 86 of the podcast as well, where I talked about how to relearn a language that you have forgotten. And we covered how you may still have literacy and structural, um, structural understanding, you know, reading, and you sort of get a sense of where the sentence starts, ends, where the verb is. But the vocab often seems to go more quickly from what I've heard from people. Now that we've got the skill focus... It's time to get a little bit more specific. Consider your goals in the new language. And this is about what you want to what you want to achieve really. Are you dabbling, following your curiosity? Are you, you know, just kind of here because you're curious about new languages? Maybe you want to add a lot of them at the same time, just want to test yourself, see how far you get. This is very common for a lot of polyglots for lack of a better word for people who who are multilingual and who just enjoy languages and sort of revel in in the language learning process but you will still need to get to a level where anything becomes automatic you still need the motivation and the grit even on language 12 <laughs> you know even with a lot of that metalinguistic skill at your disposal I can I I know it myself just cuz I'm learning Chinese and it's the 10th the language I've I've come in contact with, you know, with in in books and learning doesn't mean I don't have to work in the same way. It doesn't mean it just flies into my brain, but I just feel more confident and I'm much more aware of the different elements that I want to acquire. Or perhaps you are listener, you, you are like Owen, really, who is considering a language with a serious purpose, thinking about functioning and perhaps even settling in the country, which is much more about, much more likely to affect how much time you're going to spend with that language. And time really matters here. Time is, is a habit builder. You don't get a lot of Japanese interference, probably, when you are speaking English, you you probably find it easier to switch back into English. That's because it's your native language. You already know it so well and you already became automatic in it. So in order to really maintain languages to a level where you could just switch, 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 I believe you have to spend... Really, you have to spend a good bunch of years with the language, and I, for me, it's it's easy to switch back into English, French, German. Those are the three ones I would tell you. This is I'm just really confident; like I can always have a conversation in them. You wake me up in the middle of the night. They're the languages I've done for like twenty plus years. I would say I can now, at this point in my life, also add Welsh to that. Without you know, without. Really, those are the, those are my fluent languages, or I feel just confident. I can add Welsh to that because it's active right now, you know, because I'm actually engaged in it. I've been doing it for four years as well. So I think in 10 years, if I dropped a lot of Welsh now, I think there would still be something there. But I would imagine that I would get a lot more of that interference going on. If I wanted to keep Welsh fresh, I would start to think about maintenance activities which is something that I have been thinking about and for me at this point a maintenance activity does involve speaking because I want to be able to speak this language I don't necessarily want to add more and more and more and more knowledge and start becoming a poet and a news news reader and you know like really reach high formal registers of the language I just want to be able to have casual conversations and I want to understand the television. So those are the kind of things that I practice. I don't really think so much about how can I elevate the sophistication levels of how I express myself. And for you, I think similar similar questions would be really helpful. So consider, once again, consider the goals and then consider what activities you need to do in order to stay fresh. Got a few conclusions for you, so this is where we will where we'll wind down the podcast today. You can put the pen down if you've been taking notes. Conclusion number one, you can't just forget a language. But in order to keep it fresh, you need to engage in maintenance activities and accept that there is a learning curve when you immerse yourself again. Number two, learning more languages, even at the same time is absolutely possible and awesome and lots of fun. And if you want to do it, there's not going to be a single thing holding you back. Number three, but don't expect a miracle (laughs) and consider your goals and also consider your limitations as a human being. If you last spoke French, semi conversantly as a teenager and I'll assume that your honeymoon is at least 10 years after being a teenager and you haven't spoken it in a time no wonder no wonder it doesn't mean that you can't speak French anymore it just means you need a longer period of getting used to it again and then number fifth, number four interference is normal no matter if you're learning your fifth language or your first language and it's really really interesting and also in the show notes which are at fluent.show slash 144. I've put a few further articles, further reading, even scholarly articles into the show notes so that you can click around and really get something out of the links. As I said, listeners, Fluent Fam, there is a lot of, um, there were a lot of notes in this week's episode. I think it's a very interesting topic. And in this podcast, we sort of started introducing it. You will also find detailed show notes so you can kind of read through it and digest this a little bit more. I've put a link in the show notes, put it all on the blog. The blog is at fluentlanguage.co.uk and that's where you can also find my language courses, my tools and I'm working on something new. It's really exciting that you'll find under learning in the fluent language menu and... Shut off. I'm still nervous <laughs> telling people about it, but soon it's coming and you can also find it at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash society. That's all I will say about that. Please do send me your intros in your target language. Please do take just a second to give the podcast a star rating or write a little review. And if you don't have if you don't have Apple iTunes where you normally review podcasts if you don't have that then why not just tell a friend about the podcast or what I would really really love is if you take a quick selfie or do a little screenshot pop it on instagram or send it over to me and show me where you are as you're listening to the fluent show I love speaking to you about all of this stuff and lots and lots of fun and that is it really from me you can find me on twitter at the fluent show you can find me on instagram at kirstin k-e-r-s-t-i-n underscore fluent you can email me hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk and that is it from fluent show episode 144 bye